Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of My Thoughts on Issues. I'm your host, Jason, of The Detsillian Mind. Today's episode is going to be about American God. I know this is not a critique of the TV show. I do watch the show and really enjoy it, but uh, this has to do with the actual American God. And many are probably thinking, oh, yeah, it's the Christian religion, the Abrahamic deity from the Bible. But I'm going to pose a different idea. I don't think that that is the actual American God. I think the actual American God and the religion built around it is capitalism. Now, one might ask, well, why do you think capitalism is the American God or the official religion of the United States? And I say this because to be honest, if you think about it, it's the core of our society. It defines what we do, defines how we do it, even defines how we think about practically every and any issue that we face as a country. And if you think about it as well, the profit motive of capitalism is how we define what we can and cannot do. We hear it all the time about how we can't afford this or can't afford that or we cannot do something because there's no profit motive for an investor or a business owner or what have you. And that's really the bulk of how this is actually a religion in this country and not just an economic system. So... If capitalism is the American religion that worships it as a god, what would it look like? How is it structured? Well, I figured I'd use some uh, Christian-themed ideas just to kind of break down how capitalism could be seen as a religion or a god. So, one aspect is the quote-unquote holy trinity that you see in Christianity. So what would be the holy trinity of capitalism? Pretty easy, I think. Profits, the invisible hand, and private ownership of the means of production. These three themes are at the very core of capitalism. To the point where they it's almost implied that they're worshipped. As I mentioned before, there's a whole idea about profits. Nothing can get done unless if there's some sort of profit motive for the investor, the owner, whomever. When it comes to the invisible hand, well, they basically throw this word around as if it's interchangeable with the Holy Spirit from Christian doctrine and the Christian trinity. So, I put that in there because not only is it kind of referenced in some sort of divine manner, but when Adam Smith was originally writing Wealth of Nations, he basically admitted as much that the idea of the invisible hand of the free market was supposed to kind of take on a kind of a divine idea amongst people who was reading his book. He wanted to associate that connection with the Holy Spirit of the Christian Trinity, to make it easier for people to take in terms of this capitalist system. And he succeeded 
200, 250 years, however many years ago that he wrote The Wealth of Nations, here we are. We're still referencing um, the invisible hand with divine adoration. So that's why I included into the uh, capitalist trinity. And then lastly, the private ownership of the means of production. We put this up on a pedestal in this country. We don't put being a scientist or being an engineer or being a doctor up on a pedestal. It's be your own business owner. Be your own boss. That's what America puts on a pedestal in this country is being your own businessman. And of course, in order to be your own businessman, your own boss, you need to have private property. Now keep in mind, I'm not talking about personal property like your toothbrush, your house, your skateboard. Private property has to deal with the means of production, the things that go into producing something. So it's the factory, it's the land that the factory sits on, it's the tools, it's all of the materials that you need to utilize in order to help create this product. And you see this throughout our history up until now. It's all about private ownership of the means of production, being that capitalist who owns it. Whether or not you actually know the process and you can get on the floor yourself and, and you know work alongside the workers, it's all about being that owner. And that's why it's included in the capitalist quote-unquote holy trinity is because these three things are valued amongst all else in the United States to the point where it has a divine undertone to it. So just like in any other religion, the church of capitalism is going to need a, a messiah or a group of messiahs. The first one that comes to mind would be Ronald Reagan. Uh, one of the political parties in this country just adores the guy, and they cannot help themselves but to reference him every single time there is a presidential debate. And I'm sure if you look at um, races for our national congress or for state congresses or governorships, you could probably find the same thing. You'll find this one particular political party constantly referencing Ronald Reagan and he has basically become a figurehead for um, the whole religion that is capitalism he's the Jesus Christ of of, uh, capitalism Ronald Reagan Christ he is seen as this, this pinnacle of success for the capitalist and unleashing capitalism not only in this country but around the world so um, that's the most rational uh, candidate to be the church of capitalism's messiah now, if there's a multitude of them um, I would have to say Anne Rand would be in there uh, she is definitely somebody that a lot of certain politicians like to reference when it comes to their economic heroes or, or uh, 
um, mentors after reading their material. Same thing with Adam Smith. Once again, Wealth of Nations is still a pretty popular novel to reference when it comes to supporting capitalism. Um, and then the Founding Fathers, obviously, as well. We There's always some sort of mention to them about how they set up this country to be this great capitalist nation. And if you think about it, a lot of the core laws and, and, and positions that the Founding Fathers established when it came to the, the Constitution and early law is built around this pro-capitalist idea. So, you can definitely make a, a case that some of the Founding Fathers, if not all the Founding Fathers, had some sort of a capitalist glow to them when it comes to this divine adoration that we put on them for being these staunch capitalists who are bringing a whole bunch of different ideas into this fledging new country. And I think the last one, given recent events, is also very important to note, and that is, unfortunately, Donald Trump. You know, he has kind of um, placed himself into the position to be the next generation of Ronald Reagan. He's Reagan 2.0, if you will. And you can see that coming from the Republican Party. I have a feeling that in the next handful of years and the next handful of elections following the 2020 election, not only will you see Republicans Republicans continue to reference um, Ronald Reagan, you'll also see them reference Donald Trump whenever they're on the debate stage. As candidates, whether it's in the primary or the general election, trying to evoke these two as their lord and savior hero to basically put them in position to become the nominee or the president. That is definitely something that is going to be happening the next uh, couple times that you see a presidential election come in. Although I should probably mention that this is kind of on the premise that Trump doesn't run again in 2024. So basically, the next couple of elections after you see Trump kind of disappear from the party, you will see Republicans evoke the name of Trump and evoke the name of Reagan to get some sort of mystical, you know, uh, blessing as the official Republican nominee. They're already, they've already been doing it the last 20, 30 years with Reagan anyway. So now they got another guy, another messiah to kind of throw into the loop and reference and invoke their, you know, capitalist divine power into them as a nominee. Besides messiahs, every good religion has its batch of prophets. Major prophets, minor prophets. If you're going with the Christian narrative and the Christian uh, uh, metaphor here, you'll have major prophets of 
capitalism, and you'll have minor profits of capitalism. So some of the major profits would be the capitalist or bourgeoisie class. These are the uh, Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musks, um, all these rich presidents or CEOs of huge corporations or economic or business entities. Uh, the Sackler family, you know, the uh, Walton family. All of these big name people or families that own big time uh, companies. Or they could just be the CEO that's sitting in if it's a uh, publicly traded company. And that also brings me to the point where it's not just the president or the CEO or the owner of these larger companies, but it could also be the uh, uh, the board of directors. If there's shareholders who, who hold some sort of a majority or significant um, amount of shares in the company, they could be kind of seen as a major profit because they have now significant power within that company to kind of direct it in a way they want to see it. Basically what I'm getting at is the top brass of large companies or corporations, conglomerates if you will, um, that have quite a big megaphone and quite a big spotlight on them. On the contrary, when it comes to the minor profits, this would be the petty bourgeoisie class, or aka the small business owners. This would be somebody who owns a small mom-and-pop store or maybe a regional chain. You know, let's say Myers or Target. Those are more regional chains in competition with Walmart, which is a national chain. So that those would be examples. Or maybe it's somebody who owns a, uh, a series of, let's say, five Taco Bells in a city franchise uh, chain, if you will. Uh, they would be seen more as a minor profit because they're part of the petty bourgeoisie. They're small scale on the local or regional, maybe state level, as opposed to on a national or international scale. Now, with these messiahs and these prophets out of the way, you're going to need a priesthood a sect of clergy to kind of be the cheerleaders for these prophets and these messiahs who come out with grand doctrine of the church of capitalism. So who would be the clergy or the priesthood in this example? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is obviously the media. Um, this will take kind of take me off on a tangent here, but when you think of fake news and mainstream or lamestream media. Those kind of words or verbiages that are used to describe the media. Uh, keep in mind that the right wing, the conservatives, stole these ideas from the left. These used to be Marxist and socialist talking points used to describe Western media because they were capitalist owned and profit driven so when you think about it the media would be the perfect clergy or 
priesthood because they're going to be sitting there cheerleading things all the way through, being the huge megaphone into the nation's ear, the state's ear, the local ear, regional ear, whomever is listening to it over whatever radius that it can reach. That's where you're going to see the media. They're going to sing the praises of the corporations and the system that is capitalism because they are invested as the cheerleaders, the clergy, to continue propping up this religion that is capitalism in the United States. And I could say probably globally too. Another example of clergy or the priesthood would be middle management. The, the floor manager or some sort of middle tier grouping of people. And I say that because generally this is the group where the top brass will pick from the working class, set them up on this slightly higher pedestal compared to the working group, the bulk of the workers who are creating the bulk of the profits for the company, and basically make them feel like they're a little bit better than all the workers below them. That's why you're middle management. And they will use that that artificial positioning to get them to kind of play the game, play ball with the capitalist class and kind of hang a carrot over their head saying, hey, you play by our rules, you play our game, you toot our horn whenever we need it, and one day you too can be up here with us. And that's why I include the middle management in there because chances are they're going to take the pro-capitalist side rather than the pro-worker side. Now that might not, be, might not be the case every single time, but more often than not, I've noticed that that is the case, that they will jump ship from their fellow workers and they will jump in with the, the capitalist and start pushing their narrative about how great the capitalist, the capitalist god is. So there you go. That's that's the clergy of the priesthood. Now, there's always the proselytizers that come from the lay community. The members, if you will. Um, going back to Christian doctrine and uh, using that as a metaphor you hear all the time about evangelicals you know it's the lay members of the church that go off and uh, sit there and talk about Jesus Monday through Saturday you know Um, they're not part of the, the clergy they don't have any kind of official position in that regard they're the lay person they'll go out there and proselytize for their religion. No different than um, the religion that is capitalism. No different when it comes to lay people in this capitalist economic system who go out there and basically act as an unofficial cheerleader. So who would that be? Uh, The first two that come to mind is influencers and advertisers. You see them all the time. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, what have you, 
you will see people go up there and be influencers and just kind of, in a way, you know, unofficially be a cheerleader to get noticed. That's generally what the influencers would do is they'll go out there and they'll do different advertisings for different companies in hopes that they can get recognized by the capitalists to get some sort of a, a sweet gig or a nice contract. Basically, they're independent workers, independent contractors that are there with a vested interest in being a cheerleader for the system in hopes that they too can make it big only this time through advertising or influencing others. Another example of a lay proselytizer would be social media. These platforms in this digital age have become just rampant with influencers and advertisers trying to push the narrative and kind of present like almost an artificial life that they have saying hey look at me things are going great for me yeah sure I'm trying to make it big but see how things are going great for me and if you just buy into this capitalist religion this capitalist system and worship this capitalist god you too can one day make it like me or make it even better than me getting into the capitalist class that's kind of what you're seeing so that would be an example of some of the lay proselytizers that are out there so with some of the different positions already taken care of how would this religion, this church of, of capitalism, how would it measure piety or devotion to it? How would it define who is on a higher level of devotion to the capitalist God? Very simple. Individual or corporate wealth just look at the 2016 election for example when Donald Trump was running he made the point that he should be president because he is rich and a quote unquote successful businessman and that was his main talking point he felt that what made him a great person was being rich and being a businessman and being successful. Now, we all know that that's not really the case. He wasn't successful at all. He just kind of had a really big hand-me-down from daddy, and that's why he was able to continue the facade that he was rich, successful businessman, and therefore privy to being our nation's leader. But... This is not something that's unique to Donald Trump running for president. This has been something that has been pushed into the national narrative over and over again. We measure piety, devotion to the religion of capitalism, as well as just overall other measurements. If you're a good person, if you're a nice person... If you're a smart person, all of these things kind of circle around this idea that if you have individual wealth or if you built cap uh, corporate wealth for a company, that's what makes you great 
that's what makes you deserving of being seen as on a higher pedestal than others. So whether it's being nice, being knowledgeable, being smart, what have you, it's all based around how much wealth you can accumulate. Now for the lay person, the average worker like you or me, it's all about consumerism. You're seen as a good person, you're seen as a successful person, a smart person, based off of how much you can spend, how much, how many toys you can accumulate, what you can buy in order to kind of represent your worth in the world. That's why you see people always chasing after the next best car, the next best house, you know, uh, get a McMansion, if you will. Um, getting the new iPhone, getting all these toys or all these things or getting the, the newest trends in, in fashion, um, getting the newest TV that does all these things. These are examples of what the measure of devotion and therefore goodness goes towards in the religion that is capitalism. So we've got a measure of what it means to be devoted to this religion. Now, like in every other religion, there always has to be some sort of act of salvation for humanity on behalf of the Godhead or the religion that is built around this Godhead. So what is the act of salvation for humanity that the God of capitalism, the religion of capitalism, presents? We hear it all the time. Us capitalists are the God create, uh, are the job creators. Without the rich, who's going to create the jobs? There you go. There's the basic answer right there. Capitalism's salvation or act of salvation for humanity is those at the top, the capitalists, being generous and giving jobs to people and that every single time there's any kind of question about anything that involves what we need to do with the capitalist class or what we need to do with the economic system they always go back to this while they're the job creators we cannot do this or we can't do this or we have to do this for them because otherwise they'll just stop creating jobs and then humanity is doomed that's what you see with capitalism it's divine act of salvation for humanity what would be the icon the symbol for the religion or the church of capitalism well that's pretty easy as well in the case of the United States since I'm referencing the American God aka capitalism the American religion aka capitalism it would simply be the dollar sign. But more in general, the icon for the religion or the God that is capitalism is just the various currency symbols that we see throughout the world. Whether it's the yen, the euro, the dollar, the Canadian dollar, the pound, whatever it is, that will be used as 
the icon for the church of capitalism. How about the structure of it? Going back to the Christian religion, you can see that it's structured in many ways. Obviously, it has denominations, and even within denominations, there's smaller churches, there's larger churches, and I'm assuming some non-denominational Christian megachurches are part of a conglomerate, or maybe one person or a small oligarchy of pastors or owners own a chain of megachurches. So how would that correlate over to capitalism as a religion? Well, we already see it presently in how our country structures companies. Conglomerates. That would be the... uh, chain of megachurches that you see in the United States. Or if it's just one singular megachurch, then it would correlate over to a corporation. Smaller mom and pop stores, well, there's a connect right there. It'd be the smaller churches that have 100, 200, 300 people in it. So basically, just the current business structure that our country develops could be used to describe how this religion of capitalism would be structured in the United States. What would be religious law if capitalism were seen as a deity and or a religion built around it? Well, most corporations have some sort of company policy or policies and procedures manual or something to that effect that spells out the do's and don'ts of working at that company. There you go. There's your uh, your religious law. Company policies and procedures, as well as regulations or laws that the government puts in place that are pro-capitalist. That would take care of the local level, possibly state level, as well as national level. And if they're is any such thing in the UN or any other international body, you can make the case that it'd be uh, internationally as well. So you've got uh, religious law that can be applied based off of corporate policies or what they call quote-unquote best practices. Now I was going to add in here the Ten Commandments because that's one of the highlighted things in the Bible is is the Ten Commandments. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't really sit down and flesh out these ten corporate commandments, but uh, I imagine I could probably return to that at another time with the Ten Commandments for the Church of Capitalism. But for today, we'll leave it at that. If you want to leave me comments about what you think would be some good corporate commandments in this religion that is capitalism in the United States, feel free to to leave them in the comment section below, and I'll take them into consideration for when I return to this idea and come up with the 10 corporate commandments, or 15 or 20, who knows. Um, 
just like every other religion, there's also that, I guess, verbiage of a defender or enforcer or protectors. In the case of Christianity, it talks about putting on the armor of God and being a defender or soldier of God. So what would this capitalist religion look like when it comes to some sort of ar- enforcement arm of its church? Well, we have them already. Um, the most well-known uh, acronym is for CIA is Capitalists Invisible Army. Um, but you could include in here, when it comes to uh, um, political protectors or enforcers or defenders of the church of capitalism, it would be lobbyists and politicians. They would be the ones that would provide protection uh, through the law. Police and the military, they would be the more of the physical defense from anyone who would threaten capitalism from within or without. And you kind of, and to be honest, you see that in today's society as it is. All four of these groups in some way can be seen as protectors or enforcers of capitalism. You got to have that special arm of the law to enforce your religion. There you go. There's all four of them right there. Um, And then what would be some points of ideology that this religion centered around capitalism would would have? I've already mentioned the, the books Wealth of Nations and Atlas Shrugged both when it comes to Adam Smith and Ayn Rand. I can see those being key uh, supplemental books or primary sources for this religion. Other ideology or positions or policies, if you will, that you see in, in capitalism would also play a part. For example, neoliberalism or classical liberalism. That's an economic policy uh, of capitalism, and we're seeing the neoliberal policy in play today. The biggest one, I'd say, is this idea, this ideology of free markets. That is one thing that is mentioned, I want to say almost weekly I hear it, regarding capitalism is free markets. You know, free markets do this and that and all these great things for us. For starters, there is no such thing as free markets. But, you know, that doesn't stop people from mentioning free markets. And so that would probably be a big ideology point, a big uh, piece of dogma that you'd find in this religion that worships the capitalist god in America. Free markets. Privatization, that's another huge piece of dogma in this religion of capitalism. You hear it all the time. Well, we need to privatize this. We need to privatize that. Put in the hands of the the private business people. Works better, more efficiently when it's got the for-profit motive rather than being run by government or somebody else. There's also trickle-down economics or Reaganomics. We've all heard those before where 
you design laws and regulations that are pro-capitalist and because it, it's designed in such a way that benefits the capitalist class because they save money, they will trickle down their wealth and their extra benefits from those laws onto everybody else. So it will basically affect everybody or, or help everybody downstream. We've been dealing with that for 40 years now when it comes to uh, the economic policies that we put in place in this country. So I can see that being two key dogmas. Well, I guess actually just one dogma. One key dogma in the religion of capitalism. Austerity. We see it all the time. Well, we got to cut social programs. We got to cut this. We got to cut that. There's always got to be cuts to programs that help the average citizen, the average person in this country. Austerity measures. Generally, the first thing that is brought up. And so that is always a key talking point amongst the dogmas that we hear verbatim ad nauseum over and over again. Um, quote unquote freedom. Now this is generally associated with freedom of choice that supposedly this free market capitalist system gives us. The less regulations, the less laws we put in place, the easier it is for companies to produce products for us to choose from. And it's our freedom of choice or our just in general our quote-unquote freedoms that help move this whole system along. I already mentioned consumerism. Buy, buy, buy. The more you can obtain, the better. Because the more you spend, the better you can quote-unquote stimulate the economy. You see that all the time. How can... How can we stimulate the economy? How can we get the middle class or the work or the lower working class to spend money into the economy to keep it going? So consumerism is a key product, a key piece of dogma in the church of capitalism. Hyper-individualism. Everything is about me, me, me. It's all about what I can do to improve my self-image. What can I do to gain more and more things? So this hyper-individualistic idea at the expense of the group is what we're seeing with capitalism. It's why you see such an erosion of labor unions or of collective bargaining, or of the community, is because people would rather just focus on the hyper-individual than to work together as a group. And it's done for that very purpose, because it's easier to to fight one person who's hyperly individualistic than it is to fight a group of people. So the capitalists will use this dogma to keep everybody else in check because they know one-on-one or one-on-a-handful, it's easier than one against a whole shit ton of people. So that's why they really push this hyper-individualistic 
idea in this capitalist economy and society that we have. Laissez-faire or small government. Obviously, the less the government can get in there and regulate and generate laws that protect consumers or protect capitalists, the better. They want so the capitalists want a small government so that it it expands their power and their ability to gain more and more wealth. And they use this as their little religion's ideology to convince people that this is good for them too. And this kind of can, can kind of go back to the whole trickle down Reaganomics idea as well. Is that small government it's only getting in the way from us be from us being able to reach our full potential. And that if we as capitalists are allowed to reach our full potential, then hey, we can just trickle down whatever extra profits we get onto all of you. Because we're generous like that. We're the job creators after all. Kind of again seeing the train of thought that they have. And then there's a bunch of facades that this church of capitalism, this religion, or this deity of capitalism in the United States will also have a facade on. And that's, you know, being pro-democracy when, in fact, uh, the capitalists don't want pro-democracy because it takes more power away from them. And so the capitalists will actually want more of an oligarchy. That's why you see right now in the narrative that, oh, this country is a republic, not a democracy. Uh, well, a republic is a form of democracy, but okay. What you're really saying is you think only certain people should be able to vote and have a say in the direction that this country and this economic system is going. And generally speaking, that tends to be, well, the capitalists. That always goes back to that. The capitalists should be the ones that... that Decide the direction that things are going. But they'll prop up a, a facade that they're pro-democracy. They'll do a facade that they're pro-environment. They'll do a facade that they're pro-human rights. Because they know that that's what sells right now. If you can pretend to be in favor of X, Y, or Z, then you'll get support in the form of consumers buying their products if they're under the impression that ABC Corporation gives a damn about whatever it is they're, they're uh, supporting or proclaiming they support. So they will have a facade on all these human rights issues to make it look like they're, you know, woke, if you will, or, you know, up to par with helping people. But in reality, the only thing they care about is selling more things so they can get more of a profit. One of the another uh, ideology that you hear probably almost on a weekly, if not a weekly, then a monthly basis is the uh, the, the narrative or the saying, "Pull your up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps." That is a very huge piece of dogma in the capitalist religion, almost to the point where you could swear it came from the capitalist god from on high. Because America is just infatuated with this, this phrase, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And 
it could almost be the official motto of the uh, uh, capitalist religion. Other other ideology or, or dogma that is supported by this capitalist religion would be uh, a hyper-imperialist and or colonialist foreign or domestic policy. I mean, you kind of see that right now with the United States anyway. Um, if any other country gets out of line with our American idea of how the, any economy should work, uh, we send uh, some special forces in there, or we send some uh, other allies in there, or we just get allies from within the country, and we either sabotage their their country or put up some sort of a devastating embargo against them, or we just throw a coup in there and see if we can't just take it over and and put a a friendly dictator in in power that will bend to our our will. Venezuela, Chile, um, they tried it in Cuba, didn't work. Tried it in Russia, didn't work. Um, Trying to think of where else. We did it in South Korea at one point. Honduras, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of countries out there that the United States has gone and meddled in demonstrating its imperial power to basically control it so that it will fall in line with the doctrine of the church of capitalism. So, with that in mind, obviously, just like in every other religion, there's going to be antagonists that will pop up. So who are going to be some of these adversaries that the religion of capitalism will just have to fight for divine purpose and well-being of the human race. Well, the short answer is going to be basically any doctrine, any idea, any concept, any economic system, political system, social or cultural norm that counters the ideology espoused in this church of capitalism. Collective power. Don't Can't have labor unions because that's a direct uh, opposition to uh, capitalist power. Marxist critique of capitalism. Well, that's, that's saying some bad things. That's, that's trying to shine light, a negative light on capitalism. Well, now the church can't have that. Social democracy, where the system, whether it's the economic system or the political system, works or functions in a way that benefits the people rather than the oligarchs at top. Keynesian economics, where laws and regulations are put in place to make sure that consumers and the average person is protected so that they are not exploited by the capitalists seeking more and more profit and wealth. And it also includes, too, um, kind of jumping in together with the social democracy idea of making it work, making the people, the consumer, more vocal in the direction of things, as well as setting up the 
behavior of capitalism to be more geared towards people and not free market profits. Obviously, I mentioned regulations and laws. So anything that will restrict capitalists from operating their company in the way that they see fit that will put more and more profits in their pockets, well, obviously that's going to be an issue for them. That's going to set them up as an adversary to their religion that is capitalism. Economic systems like socialism or communism would obviously be a direct adversary to the god that is capitalism because it takes away the power from this vast hierarchy that I've laid out. But you can kind of sit down and really think about some of the different adversaries that could pop up. And if you actually think about it too, even capitalism as a religion can be its own adversary because the United States, its religion of capitalism is set up one way. Another country can set it up a different way. And then these two capitalist religions and their countries can come at odds with each other and, be, and start a war. Now we're adversaries. We've seen it in plethora the last hundred plus years. We fought two world wars over this concept of different empires having their own idea of how the religion of capitalism portrays their god of capitalism and they go to war over who's right and who should have the spoils who should inherit the earth if you will and we had two world wars fought over these these ideas so even the religion of capitalism can be its own adversary if imposed by different nation states so you can see how, if you really sit down and think about it, capitalism is the true god of America. Capitalism and its economic policies and ideology is the true religion of America. It's not Christianity. It's not some supernatural being that is supposedly floating up somewhere in the heavens, whatever that might mean. But the god of America is capitalism. The religion of America is capitalism's various policies, structures, ideas, hierarchies, as you see I've laid out here today. So, next time you're getting ready for some big holiday, or just if it's sitting there at the TV after a long day of work, or getting ready for that weekend uh, get-together, just remember and observe around you just how capitalism is set up as a god and religion in the United States. I'm your host, Jason, thanking you for tuning in to The Deep Selling Mind, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you again soon.